Hello, 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 and welcome to Queen Made of Light, the podcast, and I'm your host, Sierra Elise Harris. I am so excited to start episode one today entitled Radical Self-Love, and I can't wait to get into it because this is a very, very important topic to me, Um, and I couldn't imagine starting with anything else, but also before we get into it, I wanted to talk about why I started with this topic as it relates a lot to the name of the podcast, Queen Made of Light. So some of you might know this already, but Queen Made of Light originally started as an Instagram post. I was a senior in college, and I had just made this really crazy, terrifying decision of cutting off all of my hair. I had been flannering my hair religiously since I was 13 years old, and this time, senior year, I decided I was ready to go natural, and I wanted to do it the hard way, which was just chop it all off and start from the beginning. And as a lot of black women, we have kind of been romanticizing these European features and that, you know, long hair and straight hair is better. Um, And that was like this existential moment I was having of this is not going to rule my life anymore. My hair is not going to rule my life anymore. And what people think about me is not going to rule my life anymore. So I did it. And I was living in this space of like, wow, I really truly am living for me and this is what it means for me to love myself. I'm gonna start from the beginning and I'm gonna start from my natural hair. And that was a physical and spiritual um, movement for me really and thus created this Instagram page called Queen Made of Light because it was going to be this open journal of how I was choosing joy and positivity every single day regardless of my circumstances. You know, I was struggling with finishing my senior year. I was struggling with imposter syndrome of being like, oh wow, I'm pursuing theater. Is this okay? Can I do this? Struggling with my body and all kinds of things, but I'd gotten to this point where I was like, no, like I'm in charge of the life that I want for myself. And that's going to start with me loving exactly who I am. Um, And Queen Made of Light was a way for me to keep myself accountable uh, and kind of having made a promise to myself that those days that I didn't love myself, those days where I felt incredibly insecure, were days where I was going to muster through that and choose joy and choose positivity. And I was going to use this page to show people how I did that. Um, And it really just became the catalyst for self-love for me. And so I thought this was a great place to start. Then I came across this incredible book called The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. And she takes self-love and she turns it into radical self-love and talks about this global awareness of how our insecurities start from when we're young and how they grow and they grow and how it's even deeper than we think it is. It's even deeper than, yeah, when I was little, this girl bullied me. Like it's even further and deeper and we all kind of share these same things that hurt us. And we're all victims and perpetrators of a system that depends on our insecurities and discriminations of each other. And the goal is to identify the system and its effects on our lives and together we can work to destroy it. So this book really brought awareness to me on how we can get even further with how we can truly, truly love ourselves to make a difference, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of everybody around us. So get ready because I have so many things I want to talk about and I'm very, very excited. So let's get into it. Okay, so topic number one, what is radical self-love? Because I know for me, 
I've, you know, I've just been saying self-love over and over and over again. Yeah, this is, this is self-love. This is how I love myself, whatever. So what could radical self-love possibly be? And it is the self-liberation from the political, economic, and social issues about our bodies. In Radical Self-Love, we work every day to interrupt the systems that perpetuate body shame and oppression against all bodies. A global change that comes from the understanding that we are all victims of the same system. So something that I really learned from this book was that it's not just me and my singular insecurities. It's the way that I move through this life and the way that I was taught to move through this, this life versus the way that the people who encounter me were taught to live through this life and how the connecting point is that we were all kind of taught from the same system. And it's the same system that prevents us from growing, prevents us from rooting for each other, prevents us from supporting other people because we think that we can't all be at the top of the ladder. It's this system that lives on oppression. Um, and it really starts with shame. It really starts with the shame that, that we were eventually, that was eventually inherited by whoever taught it to us and the the songs that we listened to and the movies that we watched and the TV shows that we watched. And I think about how when we were born as babies, you know, we didn't have negative thoughts about our thighs or about our hair or about our skin color or about our sexuality or about our gender. We were just babies who lived and moved and breathed. And we were like, wow, what is life? What is world? That's my mom. That's all I know. Like, that's how we were born. And somewhere along the way, something or someone told us because something or someone told them that we cannot move through life the way that we want to unless it's in the confines of this narrow pathway. And so I think about shame and I think about how shame is this idea of this constant apology of I am not the normal body. I am not the default body. I am not... You know, I'm a black woman with curly hair. Um, how does that affect people who look at me and walk through life next to me if they're a white person? And I, and I remember being little. If I remember the first bit of shame that I ever felt was um, definitely about being black. I grew up around white people and as a lot of people have the same story, it took this one person to kind of tell me that that was weird, that I was the darkest person in the room. It took a person to to explain to me who I was and what my place in this world was for me to have an understanding of, oh, I'm not normal. Oh, okay. And from then on, it became this constant shame and apology of me sticking up like sticking out like a sore thumb because this person made me feel like I was as opposed to just me existing um and so I remember apologizing with my shoulders growing up because I was really tall and I was well endowed and I got boobs before most of my friends and it's funny because now I'm like very average height but growing up I was considered really tall and I didn't want to be tall and there's a there's a picture of me going to like sixth grade homecoming with my two friends and my shoulders hunched over I'm like what am I doing like and, and all I'm seeing from this photo is like wow it was incredibly insecure I was tall and I had a body and somebody made me feel bad about that somebody made me feel like I had to constantly apologize because that was wrong for me to look that way I remember feeling shame I detested pool parties growing up because my hair was straight and I was like 
a vampire. Like I was like, if these people really knew that my hair grows like crazy and, and wild after I get out of the pool, like they're going to make fun of me. And it happened before, you know, where someone would be like, what's going on with your hair? And I'd be like, oh, it this, this just happens when I when it's wet and like apologizing because my hair gets curly when it's wet. And so that made me feel like it was wrong. Thus became more apologizing. Uh, apologizing. I was apologizing constantly for just existing because I was in a room who of people who did not understand my body because no one taught them that my body was normal and that my body was okay. And they were benefiting from a system that was like, well, you know, I'm tall, I'm white and I'm skinny. And the girl in Twilight is tall, white and she's skinny. So that must mean that I'm the prettiest person in the room and anybody who doesn't look like me probably isn't. And I feel bad for her. Like those are the kinds of environments that I feel like I grew up in and maybe a lot of other people too, because we were, you know, ingesting this media that was telling us what was deemed as good and what was deemed as bad. And I fell into the middle of like, oh, you know, she's black and most of us aren't. So that's kind of strange. And them being uncomfortable about me made me uncomfortable about myself. So that's like my earliest thing of shame of constantly apologizing for sticking out like a sore thumb in a space that didn't really know what to do with me. Um, and I think it was inherited. I think it was inherited by them from maybe their parents or the things that they were watching. And I think also it was inherited by me, by the movies that I watched and the way that I was being spoken to at school. And what I think is so powerful about that definition of radical self-love is this idea of self-liberation. Um, by liberating myself, I'm peeling the onion of all the toxic things that I grew up believing um, that turned me into a person who was ashamed or embarrassed about just existing as I was. And I think that's what the work is. Um, it's getting back to the root of who you were before you learned all of these things that told you that who you were wasn't enough. So topic number two is self-love versus self-acceptance. And I think this is mind-blowing first of all but also I think it's super super important for us to talk about this difference because I think self-acceptance is a really really dangerous way to go but I think it's also easier I think you know if you're somebody who you start off with this idea of I don't like where my life is going I don't like the way that I think about myself um and I want to be better. I want to like myself more and I think self-acceptance is that beginning that gateway of like yeah like I want to accept the things that I cannot change. But the ultimate goal is, like Angela Davis says, we want to change the things that we cannot accept because we deserve so much more than what we think we can accept. So I think about that quote from The Perks of Being a Wallflower, which I say all the time is, um, we accept the love we think we deserve. And at the time I used to think that was like a beautiful quote, but I actually think it's problematic because I think quotes like that are how people get stuck in toxic relationships, you know? you're somebody who you've only been in bad relationships and you finally meet a person who calls you back. Like, trust me, I've said that out loud. And it's like, wow, yeah, like he does the, he calls me back. Like I'm so used to guys who never call me, guys who are really bad texters. This is the first guy I've dated who's a really good texter. I'm gonna accept this love because I don't really know when something like this is ever gonna come along again. I think that happens all the time. And I think that's the most dangerous thing about self-acceptance that's how we get stuck in toxic relationships bad friendships you know jobs that were like well I get paid really well I'm not happy I don't love it but you know this is better than 
wondering where my paycheck is coming in, which is valid and acceptable, but I think it creates this idea where we can never really have the life that we want. Like we think the life we really want and loving ourselves truly is like unheard of and not realistic because we're afraid to get there. And self-love in the beginning, and I wouldn't even say just the beginning, as you're doing it can be incredibly cringy. If I, if I have body image issues and I say something to myself like, you know what, like I have a pouch that goes over my jeans and I think it's really sexy. Like, ah, like saying that out loud is like kind of weird. Why, why do I think that's weird? Because I'm worried that the average Joe is gonna say, why would you like that about your body? Like, why wouldn't you wanna lose weight? Or like, why would you say those things about yourself? You know, there's that part of me deep down that thinks I'm gonna be judged for liking a part of myself that isn't universally liked. And I think that's why self-love is so scary. Um, but that's the hard part. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to really, really love yourself in that way because you have to take those steps in between self-love, um, in between self-acceptance and self-love. Um, but I think it's so important that we understand that we can get beyond self-acceptance. We are actually allowed to have a life that we love, not just a life that we accept. And it's so important to know the difference between which one you're doing, because the danger is people mistake them for each other. And that's how people think that they're at the end of their rope in terms of like, this is my life. This is as great as my life is ever going to be in this relationship with this person who at least responds to my texts, you know? Um, because it could be really scary to find something that's better and think that you are absolutely deserving of it. It is really scary. And I, I think part of this radical self-love is about allowing yourself, liberating yourself and allowing yourself to want the things that you deserve and to believe that they will actually happen to you okay topic number three and our last topic is doing the work so we just talked about how radical self-love is this global way of breaking down the system that oppresses all of us we are all victims and perpetrators of the same system that benefits off our insecurities so how do we dismantle the system all right number one we dump the junk this is basically examining the negative thoughts you have about yourself and questioning them. Your feelings do not define who you are. So this is about kind of what we talked about earlier. Where do these come from? Where do these thoughts come from? Where are you getting them from? Who in your life or what things in your life are you ingesting that are making you feel this way? I mean, we really think that we can, you know, spend hours on social media and not be bothered by what we're watching. Like, oh yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I'm just like, you know, I'm on Tumblr, I'm on Instagram and yeah, it's fine. Like this doesn't affect my life. This isn't real life, blah, blah, no. Eventually it seeps into you and it makes you think that you're not doing enough, that you're not working hard enough, that you're not skinny enough, whatever, because you are constantly comparing yourself to other people's highlight rules and that is damaging. I for a fact know that when I first started Instagram, I was like, you know, I was one of those people who I never went on Instagram cleanses. Like I'd have friends who would be like, yeah, I gotta get off this thing. Like this is just too much. And I'd be like, really? Like that really doesn't happen to me. I think of it as like, you you know, a game, like I'm just on it. Oh, I love that outfit. Like maybe I'll get that. Or like, oh, she looks really cute. Like in the beginning, it never affected me personally. And the more time I spent on it, the more it, I was inhaling it. And the more I couldn't 
help but constantly compare myself to what I was looking at. And so that's when I realized I needed to go on a cleanse. I needed to get back to me. And I didn't realize that the, the effect that it had on me was incredibly damaging to my self-worth. And people are the same way. People are worse because you can have people who you love in your life and it can be really hard to realize that those are the people that actually make you feel bad about yourself. Those are the people who, when you have a new idea and you go to them, go to them about it, they make you feel like it's not good, that you're not good, that you'll never be able to pull it off. Those are people you don't want in your life. There's a difference between someone being practical and someone who's just being mean. <laughs> and sometimes people don't really know the difference. And I think dumping the junk is about doing a spiritual and mental cleanse of everything and everybody that you associate yourself with and figuring out which things make you feel better about yourself and which things make you feel like you are not good enough. So that's definitely number one on the list because especially during quarantine, I felt like I was inhaling information at a warped speed than ever. Um, so definitely check out the kinds of things that you're watching and the kind of people in your life and how they make you feel. Number two, meditate on a mantra. This is also cringy. This kind of goes back to like how self-love can be really cr cringy, but a mantra keeps you present and focusing on the body you have right now, as opposed to the way you used to look or the way you hope to look in the future. Um, mantras prevent you from saying things like, you know, five years ago, I was banging. Like, I had a great body and I loved myself. And, like, I'm an, I want to get back to five years ago because whatever's happening now, I'm not happy. Mantras are about being present and being in the moment and being focused and about loving your present circumstances. And so I picked a mantra that was, I have the body I need to live my best life. And the reason this mantra helps me is because it keeps me from thinking about myself aesthetically and physically. And it makes me think more like, yeah, I have a body that wakes me up every day. I have a body that actually enjoys going to the gym. I have a body that eats Oreos and I have a body that eats vegetables. And these are things that are going to keep me healthy. These are things that are going to keep me young, you know, um, and that are going to be good for me on the long haul. So that mantra, I have the body I need to live my best life, is saying today, right this very second, this moment that I'm speaking to you, I have the body I need to live my best life. Um, and mantras can be super awkward, uh, which they, they usually say, if it feels uncomfortable, that probably means it's correct. That probably means it's working. So I definitely, definitely suggest that you take some time out to think about a mantra and something that you would say to yourself every single day. And it could start with something that you're like, oh my God, I hate this. And eventually turn it into something that you really believe and that you are really proud of. Number three, this is the most, most important one that I think people don't give enough love to. It's community. We equate success with not needing anyone. We're all going through hard times and it can be comforting to know you are not alone. I think especially being an actor in musical theater or an actor, period, I think we are so you know, we think only one person can get the role and that if this person gets it, it means it's taking an opportunity from me and then we can't really have real friends because we're all competing for the same parts. And it's a terrible, exhausting way to live through a job that is really, that makes decisions that aren't based off of you. You know, we have a lot, we get a lot of no's in our career that have nothing to do with our talent. And it sucks to live through that alone. It really, really does. And I think part of 
radical self-love is let's have a candid, open conversation about our insecurities and let's talk about it. Because odds are we all kind of share the same things and we all kind of got it from the same place. And that's the only way we're going to dismantle the system by being truly, truly honest about the, the reasons why we feel the way that we do. Because like the definition says, like, we're not just victims, we're also perpetrators. You know, we have thoughts about other people. We have negative thoughts about other people as well. And we need to own up to that. And instead of judging ourselves, we need to open it up and say, why? Let's talk about why I felt this way about this person that I don't know. Or why this bothered me about this person. Um, and we need to unpack those things together because it's bigger than our individual insecurities. It's all of us. And it affects every single person living in America. Um, and community is so important and that's why it's important that you have people that you trust and people that contribute good things in your life that you can have these very, very uncomfortable conversations with. Um, and in closing, <laughs> this book is absolutely fantastic and I've only just begun to scratch the surface of some really, really important things and I really highly advise that you get it because I think it's, it's honest, it's real, and there's a lot of exercises that you can apply to yourself, conversations you can have with yourself that you can start having with other people, which is like the most important part. And I think it's a great step to radical self-love. So thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something from it. Send me a message if you did. Let me know what you think. Please subscribe to my podcast. <laughs> I almost said blog. <laughs> um, and I can't wait. I'm very excited for many, many more episodes. Thanks for tuning in. Mm -hmm.